Coming up, a Ben Simmons injury update that feels all too familiar, plus a speculative journey down the trade market road through the eyes of Sean Marks and the Brooklyn Nets. Is there a way that this team gets back to competitive level basketball this season? We dive in coming up next. You are Locked On Nets, your daily Brooklyn Nets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Ah, uh, yes, my friends, it is the Locked On Nets podcast right here on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team, the Brooklyn Nets, every single day. Over there is Doug Nori. I'm Adam Armbrecht. We thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. We are 100% free on all those great platforms. And let you know this episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash LockedOnNBA and use promo code all lowercase LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. And Doug... We've got a journey. We're going to tie all these little threads together, and by the end of it, try to see if the Nets fans can get behind some seismic moves for this roster, starting first and foremost with a Ben Simmons injury update. Uh, it'll be a, it'll be will be in a, the end of a dystopian time, and it'll, you know the the world will be ravaged, and the, we'll be living off of in small bands of, of of groups that are roaming the countryside, and we'll get the alert. Ben Simmons has been cleared to play. We're developing <laughs> irrigation system. We're optimistic we can restructure this society and potentially. Some will whisper, it, a, a lonely traveler will say Ben Simmons has been cleared for <laughs> the lonely traveler activities. is Ben Simmons. And he has the <laughs> look, man. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I'm, you know, I'm not trying to make light of a, I mean, I guess we are a little bit, but uh, make light of an injury situation. But this is just where we are with this thing, right? It's been since uh, October 25th. He was, that was the last time, oh, excuse me, sorry, 11 6, November 6th. He was uh, last time he played against Milwaukee. 33 minutes after that he was diagnosed with uh the hip issue the nerve impingement and we were given two weeks we'll get back to you in two weeks and we'll get back to you in two weeks and we'll get back to you in two weeks and we'll get back to you in two weeks and now it's january 24th and the latest update we have from jacques vaughn is i'll just quote him directly he will not play this week this is from two days ago but all signs are pointing towards him at some point i think we'll use long island hopefully to get a uh to get a practice in and we'll go from there so this, um, or sorry, to get more bodies around them. Hopefully that's in the near future. So if you're looking for a definitive Ben Simmons update, those are things that we have not gotten. It's the nature of the injury. It's, it, there's, a, you know, moving timetables on this, but we wanted to bring it up because as we get toward the trade deadline and some of this other stuff, like him playing or not playing or when he's going to be back, or, you know, if he ever comes back, it's unclear, but it's still, it's still $40 million cap hit that yep. they have for this year and next year. And without timelines, the timelines just mostly speak to no one ever seems to know. And what I will say is in regards to it, just as we said time and time again, we, we blame no one for being injured, right? There's nothing that Ben Simmons can not. do about being injured. However, this is where the Brooklyn Nets are. And the reason why the first thing that comes to mind here, not only including the update from, from Jock Vaughn, which, which felt as classic as it's gotten from the narratives that they provide for us every couple of weeks, also reminiscent of Money Pit, great Tom Hanks movie. When will the job be done? Two weeks. And it's, you know, the never-ending journey. For, from the Nets' perspective, though, it is worth reminding, I think, as we approach the deadline, that the Ben Simmons injury, has greatly derailed, I think, what we, what we would have said was the premise of this season, not just because of his talent level, but as we've often said here, and we know the rumors about Spencer Dinwiddie and what is this roster going to look like, guys coming and going, don't have great on-ball facilitators. 
that that absence of Ben Simmons, not what his role is and what he can do, but without him, it all of a sudden created the trickle down pressure on all the other players on this roster to do slightly more than either their one expected to or capable of. And I think it's easy because it's been since November 6th, since we've seen Ben Simmons to kind of lose that and start to judge Spencer Dinwiddie, start to judge Mikhail Bridges, start to judge Cameron Johnson. Everybody, everybody gets judged at a, to a higher degree now because one of the key pieces coming into this season is non-existent. And, and I, I wonder if from a Nets perspective, they keep coming back to that in their own minds. We know what we lost without Ben Simmons. So we're going to have a little bit of a sliding scale of judgment around our own players. Yeah, it could be. It could, I mean, like the expectations going into the season, at least among the fan base here and maybe with the team too. And Simmons, if you, you know, you watched him over the summer with things that he posted, expectations were really high. Uh, it was the idea that he was, he was going to come back fully healthy and really show, you know, the differences of his game between this year and last year. And there was going to be, you know, last year was, there was a bunch of stuff going on injury wise. And, and now he's back to full health. Again, no one can help injuries. I'm sure the guy doesn't want to be injured. It's not that. It's mostly commenting on the, you know, the never sure nature of the situation. The 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 very clear to me idea that like they knew right away. They had to have known right away that this is like months long. I think right. Like I I think they knew. I I can't prove it right, but it was always speculated on. I think that like. The idea here was that this they knew it was going to be a long time till he was back, and they just kept giving shorter update timelines without ever giving a long-term timeline. And I don't know if it's because of the nature of the injury or the nature of the player or some combination in between. Oh, you know, this guy's got a history of not playing, so it's maybe tough to judge these things. A history of not playing for multiple reasons, right. you know, injury and otherwise. And I think when you when you enter when you add all those factors into your analysis. Even as the front office, you probably don't even feel comfortable giving timelines around the nature, especially if it's something sort of nebulous, like a nerve impingement, maybe possibly related to the back surgery had over. So this is a long way to say, not surprising, super disappointing. We're get we're butting up close to a lost season. Yep. Not there yet. Not there yet. But I mean, it it's hard to be really bullish. I think I set the over under on his minutes at something like 500 and something. I can't remember 700. I can't remember the exact number. You just can't think he's going to play more than five to 700 minutes, like for the rest of the season. That's like nothing. And it's not, that's, that's really nothing. And it's just, it's a really unfortunate set of circumstances. Yeah. And I think going back to, we had originally said when the injury first happened beginning of November, when will we hear, when do we think he could be back? I said, talk to me after Christmas. Then the next update came out of, of substance. And I said, talk to me in February. Right. So we're, we're kind of trending the direction we thought we would on him. And I honestly do wonder while well, we will we'll never know, where did the Nets organization coming out of the summer into the regular season with everything that Ben Simmons was posting, right? And all the narratives that seem to be about healthy and, and watch what I'm going to go show you. I wonder how much the organization was saying, yeah, and our optimism level is pretty low on that, right? Like we, we, we are putting our eggs in this basket because he's on the roster because it's, it's $40 million and there's not another move or decision to be made here. But ultimately we won't be shocked if it ends up going down this other path, which is unfortunate. Just from a pure player standpoint and organizational standpoint, it obviously paints a very grim picture, and, and that's what gets us. To well, it makes, frankly, I'll be honest with you, it makes them it makes them look really bad. It makes the organization look really bad because the guy they traded James Harden for him, and if you and if you compare the situations, I think if you compare the situations hmm. like Harden, you know, leaving for the Clippers thing, like they, you know, I, I get that everyone sort of wanted out of their current situation, and it felt at the time 
like this was like the more than logical step was like, hey, you want out here. He wants out here. Let's just swap it. It made total sense. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if you look back at the time, like there's a chance those medicals weren't totally clean. Right. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. the idea there was he was sitting out because he didn't want to play for the Sixers, but he was actually hurt also. Yep. Right. Because he never came, but he never came in and played that season at all. It, it's not a good look for the organization that, you know, Harden held out with uh, Harden held out with, you know, the Sixers a year, two years later, a year and a half later. And they were able to at least get back a package of like picks and guys who can like, you know, actually take the court. So I, I think yeah. it makes the organization look bad also. Coming up here in a second, then, actually, let's continue down this discussion point first before we talk about moves that maybe could be made here if we believe Sean Marks, Joe Sy, and the Brooklyn Nets still want to be competitive for this year. We'll put on our GM hats in a second, but but we'll tie a bow on an interesting narrative around Ben Simmons coming up in just one second. All right, first, tell you about our friends over at Grammarly. Look, when it comes to writing, Grammarly is there to support you from start to finish. For over 10 years, Grammarly has been powered by AI technology you can trust help you across all the places where you write the most. Uh, you're speaking to a Grammarly premium subscriber for years now. I use Grammarly in every single thing I do. Emails, work, getting writing, generating writing ideas, like literally start to finish stuff. I, Grammarly is a must. I actually just installed, I was reading an a email of my wife's that she had sent. She was like, hey, can you look this over? And the first thing I said was, hey, do you have Grammarly installed? Because Grammarly caught like 17 things that you missed in this email. And immediately, she didn't. So bad job by me up until that point, but immediately got Grammarly installed. We cleaned that bad boy all the way up because this is what Grammarly does for you. It fixes all of your writing. It gives you ideas. It really just, it's an all-in-one writing piece that you really need. If you're writing anything from emails to presentations, you got a big presentation coming up, like Grammarly create a personalized outline, get you organized. If you need to draft an email and don't know where to start, Grammarly has suggestions to jumpstart your writing. All you have to join do to join us over here at Grammarly is go to Grammarly.com slash podcast. You download it for free. That's Grammarly, G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y.com slash podcast. And when you're done with that, head on over to our friends over at Prize Picks, where Daily Fantasy has been made so easy. Prize Picks took all the best parts of Daily Fantasy Gave it to you in a very easy to use app and platform and just make it super fun. So all you're doing on prize picks, you're going more or less on the prize picks player projections. You're not going against sharks in the water. You're not using the salaries. You're not trying to just kind of finagle things at the last second. You're looking at, let's say the NBA points, rebounds, blocks, assists, going more on the different players that they have up there. You put five uh, up to five uh, picks together. You can win up to 25 times your money. You can combine sports too. Like you don't have to just keep it in NBA. You can put some NBA and NFL stuff together as we head here into the playoffs. Get yourself started on prize picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use the code locked on NBA for a first deposit match up to a hundred dollars. It's prizepicks.com slash locked on NBA. Use code locked on NBA. First deposit match up to a hundred dollars daily. Uh, so be prize picks is daily fantasy sports made easy. All right, so as we continue the discussion, not only around the Ben Simmons update, but really with the deadline looming here for the NBA trade season, kind of setting an expectation of how can the Nets improve this team as well? Because all indications are they're not selling everybody off. They're not going to make these sweeping changes and go into full rebuild mode. But just on the last part that you brought up there about the decision-making process uh, when it came to trading Harden for Ben Simmons, at the time, we felt like, if, if I recall it correctly for both of us, it was, hey, if Harden's going to want out, it's gonna he's going to walk. You're going to come to free agency and he yes. is going to walk for nothing. Now, the irony here is in the moment it was, well, you, you got to try to get something. And they did get a, a draft pick in this mix here as well. 
Seth Curry turned into nothing, et cetera, et cetera. There is this world where, not even a world, I mean, if you ask Sean Marks right now, hey, rewind it back. You don't get the first round pick. You don't get Seth Curry. And you just, you say, James Harden, you can choose to sit out. You can choose not to play. But we are not going to make this move right now to your point about maybe questionable medicals, maybe questionable about what Ben Simmons convictions are around playing basketball, et cetera. Too many red flags here for us. We're going to go ahead and say, so be it. If you don't want to play out the rest of this season, that's the nature of it. And then we'll move forward right now in this moment, in this past off season, having $40 million of cap room to work with. Yeah, I mean, of course, if you could do it again, you wouldn't do it. I, like, I, I, I try not to judge too much on that. Uh, and more, I, try, I mean, do you <laughs> think that Sean Marks maybe got into a little bit of panic around in that moment saying, we're yeah. going to lose James Harden. We have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving. We want to make this thing last. Ben Simmons, th there's talent there, so maybe yes. we can save it, right? So maybe yeah. a panic decision as opposed to a controlled one. Totally, totally. I, again, I know exactly how we felt about this at the time. I, this is this is one I don't even need to do revisionist history on. I I can remember actually where we were sitting. It was my old place. I'm sitting in the in the attic office, and I'm thinking, "Oh, they got Simmons. This is perfect. Put him alongside Kyrie and KD. Like this will definitely work. Yep. Like run the the runouts. Like him being able to ball facilitate. Like him being able to cause havoc on defense. Be a connector. It's not Harden. It's different. But if already Harden wants out, of course." Like this is actually like a really good fit. It's different, but it's really, really good. I know that's the thought. So I actually don't, I don't think you can have regret around that. I do like, again, I do wonder if the process was already there where we've seen a little more since then, a little more teams holding tight on these, uh, on these requests. Like that has right, been, right, you know, right. pushing Dame back. Lillard. It's like, Hey, got it. We'll see. <laughs> right, right. Um, like even honestly, even even KD, uh, maybe the Nets started it. Like right, it was, it with KD, yeah, yeah, right. So maybe the Nets started with KD. It's like, hey, I heard it. We'll see on the trade. You're under contract. Well, Talk by you. the way, right. because they just because they just experienced the bad side of that with with James Harden, right? So they actually right. they got the first head subject of how bad it can go. We're not going to do that again. And then we've seen that sort of sense, right? Like the Dame thing, the Dame thing kind of stalls. The Harden thing takes forever. It finally gets done. Um, some other guys have just asked for trades that just haven't gotten traded. Buddy Heal, Jonathan Kaminga don't have the same cachet. Point being, I think if it were to happen again now, yes, I think that would be a totally different situation. Like, I don't think you would feel rushed. But look, that's that's water under the, under the bridge at this point. I, there's really nothing that can be done. With Simmons, now you are in a situation where... Uh, you know, I mean, do you think there's anything to be done? I, I kind of feel pretty firm on this, but I, I guess we haven't talked about it. Like, if you were, if you are the Nets, do you think there is any sort of recourse here? I don't mean like legal recourse. I, like, is there any way to get out of this, you think? Or are they kind of just stuck at this point? Well, that's what I think becomes interesting here. So over on Bleacher Report, there was an article up from uh, Greg Schwartz who basically said surprising landing spot. So let's be very clear here for rumored NBA trade deadline targets. So guys that have been listed and discussed. And Levine is obviously put on that list. And as of right now, the reporting around it is there's not a lot of appetite for him, right? We know that his contract is sizable. He'll have 43 million next year, 45 million in 25, 26, and a player option for nearly 49 million in 26, 27. So th there's a difficulty there. But that's why Greg, I think, actually put it together of saying, well, here's an opportunity. If you're Chicago, a guy that doesn't want to be there, you don't want him to be there and has multiple years remaining. If you could facilitate a swap, and just to your point of the question, there's very rare occasions of what can you do about this. This goes into Brooklyn still wants to be competitive. They're going to build around Mikhail Bridges. Cameron Johnson isn't going anywhere. This is the core, right? A move where you end up being committed to more money over the next few years, 
but you at least get a live body onto your roster. This got interesting to me, mostly because Greg Schwartz also iterates that we're not talking about, well, because Ben Simmons and his situation means attaching assets. Guess what? It's the same thing coming the other way, where it's not a palatable contract or a player that necessarily teams are clamoring for. So you could be close to a near one-for-one here, Levine for Simmons, as opposed to having to attach multiple first-round picks to get it done. Let's just start there. Is this appetizing to you, first from a Brooklyn Nets perspective, and then we can talk about like our individual you know, opinions? I would say, if okay, my quick answer is no. But I will say, I, I don't want to do this for two reasons. One, like it's not like Levine's not even really playing right now. He's hurt. The team has played much better without him. I think we don't need to do a referendum on, on sure. Levine here. Right. I will say, if the contract was like one year off, I would maybe think a little harder about it. Like if Levine was playing and it was one more year of the money, let's say, mm-hmm. right? And you were like trying to floor raise a little bit around Bridges and Cam Johnson and the guys you had now, and you still had a little juice to get Claxton or assigned, right? Uh, and 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 you could add a point guard or something. I'd be like, okay, it's interesting. This is kind of where they are with the timeline. They don't have to give anything up. They don't really get anything. Um, I, I think I would consider it. The fact that it's two, and even then it would probably be close. And I probably still say no, but the fact that it's two years, because he has a, Levine has a player option, in 26 27 at 50 yeah. 49 million uh he's gonna be picking that up and i think that that's where you, i lose the thread a little bit because it's just two more years the guy's not exactly a pillar of health there's been flaws in the game it's a huge indictment that the team got better when he stopped playing sure and Th- so that's- i think that's 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 kind of where i land it's actually funny, and I'll say this is like a personal, and also I think from a Nets perspective, right? What would what would shy you away from it is Levine comes with his own injury history as well, and there there's also some maybe malcontent nature to him too, right? So there's all this PTSD for the Brooklyn Nets, like we just cannot bring in dudes that maybe aren't about basketball. It's by the way one of the reasons that they they love having Mikhail's the face of the franchise. Now you can make a case that they're poisoning the waters around Mikhail Bridges for his level of of comfort with being in that position, but. I think that's one of the biggest red flags. And then to your point too, the money being just far enough out and because the perception around Levine now is, well, it's not like you're bringing in, hey, this guy could still be trade valuable later for Brooklyn. In all in all likelihood, he's not. And he just represents now, again, I, I think better value because he's healthier than Ben Simmons, low bar, but you're still talking about a likely $49 million player option that makes it difficult for the Nets to look at this and say, it's a good short-term maybe add here if we think he could get back on the court sooner than later for this season, but it doesn't necessarily get us across the line two years from now. It actually creates a little bit more problems. That being the case, coming up here in a second, I want to take a look at the update around the DeJounte Murray sweepstakes, how likely it is he gets moved, and whether or not the Brooklyn Nets all of a sudden are now talking about taking trade table scraps in the form of D'Angelo Russell. We'll get into that conversation coming up next. All right, before we get to that... Tell you about our friends over at Hungry Root. If you are trying to eat healthier in 2024, great news. Hungry Root's there to rescue you from the short-lived resolutions by making meal planning easy and nutritious, building healthy habits. They won't disappear by February, which we're almost in, by the way. So I can't even believe 
you're going to make that the case with Hunger Root. Whether you're braving the cold or dealing with crowds, grocery shopping this time of year, it's the worst. Why not stay home and let Hungry Root handle it? With Hungry Root, you can kickstart a week of healthy eating and get groceries delivered right to your door. It's the uh, easiest way to get fresh, high-quality food delivered. They got healthy groceries, simple recipes. It's all in one place. You take a short quiz. Healthy, uh, Hungry Root will get to know you, your goals, how you like to eat. They'll recommend recipes and groceries based on your taste. You take their suggestions or just choose anything you want. They have so many different things things to choose from. It goes beyond your week, weekly grocery haul, thousands of easy recipes that actually put your groceries to good use before they're forgotten in the back of your fridge. And by the way, as someone who lives with kids, I know exactly how this feels. Hungry Root is helping solve this where the stuff just gets out of the fridge before you can even eat it. Not with Hungry Root. You're making good choices and you're getting the things you want and need. Right now, Hungry Root is offering Locked On, M uh, Locked On Nets uh, listeners 40% off your first delivery and free veggies for life. Go to hungryroot.com slash locked on to get 40% off your first delivery and get your free veggies. That's hungryroot.com slash locked on. Don't forget to use our link so they know that we sent you hungryroot.com slash locked on. All right. So as we tie a bow kind of on this, this trade deadline, what are the Nets trying to accomplish? Ben Simmons injury has completely muddled what they could possibly do here. We remind you that if you head over to WeGotNets.com right now, you can sign up for a free ebook chronicling some of the biggest moments throughout the Nets history, not just Brooklyn, also New Jersey. It's a great way just to kind of remind yourself of some of the highs and lows and also set yourself up for some of the other big things that we have planned going forward. WeGotNets.com. Sign up for that ebook today. Now, um, when it comes to the Levine or not Levine, it, it really, the premise here was, should the Nets be trying to think about moves that improve their team now? And recently, up to, what, a week ago, it was DeJounte Murray, Atlanta Hawks. They're looking to move him. Should Brooklyn be in on that? NBA Central did provide this one update before we talk about the Lakers side of it. Uh, Hawks asking price for Murray as recently as, this is six hours ago, so it's good. First round pick, first round pick, starting level player. Now, what's interesting about it is the Lakers seem to have real legs around getting this deal done. They only have one first-round pick they can offer, so I'm confused about how they're getting this operation across the board. But if you are the Brooklyn Nets, and now the Lakers need a third team because they got it because Atlanta doesn't want to take on D'Angelo Russell's money, all of a sudden it's, well, maybe Brooklyn would take D'Angelo Russell back. Just stop. Point stop right there. How did it go from the Brooklyn Nets acquiring a five-year contract, quality player, floor raiser for this team in the short term to, yeah, we'll, we'll take your leftover depreciating asset that you just need to move so you guys can get better, Atlanta and L.A.? I mean, some of this is posturing. Well, you can also tell the Hawks that Ben Simmons used to start for this team, so that qualifies. Um, if they're looking for a starting quality player, like Ben said, that would... That's that, one. That, That's one. That oh, he started. Let's try Atlanta. You asked for it. We gave it to you. You said it, not us. You said it, you're not us. Look at the look at the box scores. The full <laughs> full on starter. No, um, yeah, I think this is just it's to me, it's something of the nature of the NBA trade season, which is this a lot of posturing, right? Sure. It's there's a lot of there's a lot of compete around trade season, there's a lot of competing sort of factors that are going on. One is just teams trying to gauge interest, right? Like you're trying to just sort of gauge the interest of other teams. You're trying to figure out if like there's actually something there. You're trying to gauge fan interest. I think that's a real thing for teams sometimes is the like, you know, trial balloon to see if that would take over. I don't think it's going to help them make the decision or not sometimes, right. but I think that like it doesn't hurt. There's also agents are in on this too. Like it's not just, remember, it's not just front offices talking to each other. Agents facilitate some of these trades sometimes or, or they are out there for the best use of their clients to, to build their own, to build value and to build sort of the narrative. So there's lots of different voices that end up in this. And I think that, 
when sometimes when it becomes like, hey, this is the, these are the exact packages, it's probably true. But the part where things are imminent, you know, it's like D'Angelo Russell is out of there and he's headed to the Nets. Like, I think that part is sometimes probably or is definitely overstated. Sure. Like the how close to the finish line these things are, because sometimes it's like, hey, some lower level executive or agent fed someone a line right. that said, like, this is what's happening. And it's mostly just to, like, be part of the information game as much yeah. as anything else, which is like an entity among itself. Um yeah. So I think that's kind of where it lands for me on that discussion. But I don't know if it's like D'Angelo Russell's walking back in through the door. I don't think like that's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's going to happen, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was on the move. Yeah. So, and that's a part of it, right? At a minimum in order for this deal to happen. And I guess the other part for me too here is, which is, you know, once upon a time inside of this discussion, it's the idea of, well, if the Brooklyn Nets had an appetite for getting Levine and then you end up getting D'Angelo Russell as the third team in this deal, you start to think about, right? What does this roster construction look like? Is this the type of thing that Sean Marks and the Nets want to do to try to save the back end of the season? The other thing that kind of came up for me though is, Okay, first round pick, first round pick, and starting level player. That's Atlanta's asking price. At some point here, what I think you maybe take away from this, at least for me, is Brooklyn is for, it seems out of these discussions for Murray specifically, right? Like, so we had said, what's the price point going to be? And should that be too much for Brooklyn? It looks like that was asked and answered by Brooklyn because otherwise, it seems like you would hear the posturing from the net side of it, right? You would hear the posturing of, Spencer Dinwiddie going to Atlanta, maybe adding in a Dorian Finney-Smith, something to help to facilitate a move like this. Do you agree that while the Nets are talking about maybe making some moves or being involved specul speculatively, they're not in the buying market at this type of level? Multiple first-round picks and a starter. Because there's only a handful of things that you can do there if you're Brooklyn outside of giving away some of that, quote, high-value draft capital they have from Phoenix, from Philly, from Dallas. Yeah, so you're saying like, oh, are they, are they, do they, do you think they find this interesting, right? Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah, yeah, effectively. And also, yeah, like, do they find this interesting or palatable? And ultimately, are they not interested in making the high level move? They're not interested in being the Lakers of these trades looking for a third team. They're only maybe interested in sniffing around the fringes of other big moves that get done. Man, this is just the hardest part. I think like these next, these next three, excuse me, two weeks, um, right? February 8th. I think these next two weeks are going to be, like fascinating honestly because I, I i'll just say right now i have no idea i actually don't have any idea i, I think that this place has been a, mostly a vault when it comes to this stuff and i just there are so many ways the team could go now that i wouldn't be shocked that i wouldn't be shocked if they i'd be disappointed on some of these but i wouldn't be shocked that they did nothing all the way up to like fire sale that i don't think either one of those is likely on either end but they're right, they have zero, such a wide like say right What's that? It's it's higher than zero percent chance that any of those outcomes could happen here. Yeah, so though it's, it's I think no other team has this this wide of a range of outcomes. Honestly, like I, I just because the, I, I don't I'm not even sure they're positive. I mean, maybe the market will dictate it. Maybe it will mm -hmm. be the market that ends up dictating the moves rather than like some internal process that they come up with. Like so, one of these guys shakes loose for way cheaper, and they just go for it and say forget it. Like oh, you know, Dejounte for a first. I don't think that's going to be it. But like maybe if that's enough, then maybe they just say yes. Or if it's not, they stand pat. I don't know. Like I, I, I maybe maybe that's it. Maybe that's my answer. Maybe maybe I do think they're just going to let the market dictate what they're going to end up doing. I think that would be possibly a little foolish. But I also am not sure all the moves. So I this I this I word saladed the, a way to say I don't know. But <laughs> like I think that's kind of that's kind of where I land. 
Yeah, and, and that's what makes it, I think, tricky for me. Uh, we're going to still have more discussions about this going forward around, you know, w- one thing that has also become seemingly abundantly clear, and maybe this is posturing from the Brooklyn Nets side of it, there does seem to be an appetite for a Dorian Finney-Smith. Like, specifically, a lot of teams keep getting co- connected to, hey, we'd like to have a discussion on him. We believe that he still has value. Where do the Nets stand on the asking price for him, right? As the deadline starts to wear down and some teams get desperate, like it can go one way or the other for Brooklyn. More desperate teams come to the table or no desperate teams come to the table, right? So playing out the string is is firmly on the table here. I just, I do just wish that, and the word salad, it's a good term. I do just wish that the Nets, and it can happen here, would make... <laughs> any type of definitive decision, make the proactive decision, not the reactive decision. And sometimes with some of these other fringe players that we'll get to ahead of the deadline, just take less, like take less for Dorian Finney-Smith, take less for Royce O'Neal, take nothing for Spencer Dinwiddie, right? Like at some point, I was actually, by the way, sorry, we can get out of here on this. I was on our weekly call with the NBA channel for Locked On and it was uh, Brendan uh, Brendan Klein from uh, Locked On Suns where he said, I was like, hey, trade us for Royce O'Neal. What do you got? And he's like, what I got is I think the the Brooklyn Nets are fill, are a team filled with excellent high-level role players that they refuse to admit that's all that they have. And they're and they're valuing them too highly. Like, and I I think it was kind of the right context. And we've discussed that kind of narrative around this team, but that's where you get caught in the in-between. We're not going to make a big splashy move because in the back of our head, we know what our talent level is. Well, you know, this and, we, and we're going to overvalue our players, right? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I thought about this with the Terry Rozier trade with Miami. I was like, I don't know. He went for a protected first round. Uh, was it unprotected or protected? Uh, it doesn't matter. He was for a yeah. first round pick. Um, Yeah, protected first round pick in 27 in Kyle Lowry. And I was like, okay, that was the Terry Rozier market, <laughs> right? right? And like, they're different players. But Terry Rozier, who's 29 and is averaging 23 points a game with 6.6 assists and been like, you know, by all accounts, like a really great dude and like just, you know, cerebral guy and will fit in with Miami really well. I'm like, that's a, a, a salary filler and a first for Terry Rozier. Like, is Dorian Finney-Smith a two first round pick guy? I mean, how? <laughs> like, I know, I know the kind I mean, right? At some point, like, and we said this before, at some point. You can just like, why not just come out and say, we do not want to move Dorian Finney Smith. We value yeah, him fine. too highly on our team. Instead, they're instead the reports are Nets are placing a two first round equivalent to first round pick on Dorian Finney Smith. I know it communicates the same thing, but it doesn't communicate the same thing to Dorian Finney Smith. What that says is, hey, if for the right price, we will move him as opposed to flat out shutting down the rumors rather than letting them kind of spill out here, which has an impact on your locker room, and your players, quite frankly. And, and by the way, I'm aware that these aren't analogs. They make different money. But like Rozier wasn't making a ton of money, 23, 24, or 23, 25, 26, right? For two more years. Right. They're under contract for basically the same time. Rozier's like a, a first sure starter. Again, it's not total, it's not the same thing, but it did make me think like, oh, that market, I think was just lower than I thought it would have been for like sure, a quality sure. M- for a quality NBA starter that's gonna start that is literally starting for them the first day he's there, right? And at like a premium position because he's gonna be handling the ball a lot. So I, I made me rethink. That definitely for me, just like a reset. Like there's no way you're getting a two first picks, two first round picks for DFS. It's fine, by the way. It's like right. just but what you said to quote you take. You might have to just take less. Okay, we are going to get out of here. Uh, we will be back after the game here on Thursday. Um, and in the meantime, make sure 
you go over to wegotnets.com. Grab that free ebook. It's got some really great stories. Adam and I put together. I had a ton of fun writing it. Um, just putting together like you know, stuff from like decades worth of net stuff. You know, Jason Kidd, big three area. Got some Kevin Porter's senior stuff. It's all there for the assist record. It's all there. Wegotnets.com. And best part about it, free. Totally free. Make sure you grab it. Wegotnets.com and subscribe on YouTube while you're doing it as well. Can I be honest with you? I got so wrapped up in this entire discussion. There's no quote today. I just, I, my on. wheels are spinning. I'm all, I'm all backwards looking frontwards. Uh, yours truly, one of the great American poets, I think. Oh, one of the all-time great poets. We'll be back again tomorrow talking more Brooklyn Nets basketball.